Hallelujah. A couple of uh, quick announcements we've got. And, um, this week is National Day of Prayer on Thursday, 6.30 a.m. Uh, I believe there are still a few seats left at our tables, and there's usually seats available right at Pine Summit. Uh, $10 for the breakfast. You can come and, and, uh, and join at 6.30 in the morning. 12 o'clock noon at Calvary Chapel, a time of prayer. It's just going to be a, a really, just a time of prayer. I'm going to open in just one worship song, and then we're just going to pray for about an hour at Calvary Chapel in the village on Stalker Road. And then at 6.30 p.m. up at Cedar Lake Christian Camp, we're going to hear uh, from uh, Henry Fallery uh, again in the evening, and a special worship team is going to come, a time of prayer, praise, and worship. Don't miss on that, and, and if, you, if you're too busy to come out to the events, take time throughout the day to pray. You got a 15 minute break at work. Take time to pray and, and really turn our hearts to the Lord. We want to, we want to repent on behalf of this nation. We want to call out God's blessing and spirituality back to this nation. We're praying for government. We're going to be praying for leaders. Um, and so be praying on that day, the national day of prayer. And, and this is, this is one of those days that it's okay to let people know around you that you're praying. That's the purpose of this day. Part of the purpose is to join together and let people know that we are a praying people. And let's not do this in, in secret if you don't have to. Um, so I encourage you all to, to join in that. We're still collecting things for the Memorial Day uh, yard sale. So if you've got things, you can begin to bring them by. It's still a few weeks away, so you have plenty of time. And the parking spaces, if you want to do your own yard sale out here, it's $5 for a space for the day. And you can come and have your own yard, yard sale. But let's, let's, we're looking at this for a way to raise funds. For the youth, the yard sales goes everything to the youth for their, their upcoming trips. They want to do some camping trips over the summer. Um, different things. The choir of the fire always happens in, in fall, so let's be a part of that. And we just have a real, a, a real quick video announcement, video clip, or laugh your way. One more. Let's see what else Mark Gunger has to say to us this morning. But it's not that way. It'll give you life if you'll do it right. If you do this right, marriage can be the closest thing to heaven on earth. If you do it wrong. <laughs> well, you fill in the blanks. Okay, so now. We're going to start discussing men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains. All right, now men's brains... Are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is the boxes don't touch. Exactly. In order to get the rest, you have to come on Friday night. Now, now I want to encourage you with this. We're, um, I, I believe the Tale of Two Brains is happening. That's disc one. So that's going to be happening Friday night. If you can't come on Saturday and just want to come on Friday, do that. You can also just come on Saturday. But 
But everything ties into each, to the next part, so you may not get the whole thing. But if you want to find out more about men's brains and women's brains, you need to come. And it's really enlightening. It's a lot of fun to learn how every, uh, how this stuff works. And um, you know, got, you know, wives, aren't you going? My goodness, that is so true. My husband, I'm, you know, he's watching TV. We you know there's a we have a TV box. And it takes us a long time to get out of that box. So you can't just come up and talk to us when we're in the TV box. And there's another thing he's going to share about, and uh, it's called the nothing box. And men, we have one, don't we? And you wives have never believed us. What are you thinking about, honey? Nothing. We really do have a nothing box. You know, you come out, learn more about this. It's going to be a lot of fun tools and things um, to do. I'm going to go ahead and pass this around because by the end of service, I know that we're not thinking about this. So I'm just going to pass it around, let it get around. We're going to go back this way. Then we'll come forward down the center, and then we'll go back that way. The traffic, boom. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, sign up. And, and uh, again, the cost is $15. Don't let that be prohibitive. I really desire everyone to come out. It's going to be a great time. Um, it, single people are welcome to come to learn, learn more about why you're still single. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's just sometimes true. You know, you meet, meet some of these people and they've been single and they got all these, they got to fix themselves before, they, before God's going to bring them a wife. So, you know, otherwise they'll ruin the wife or, or husband, right? So, but, you know, come out. It's going to be a lot of fun there, too. And, um, Hey, I want to, you know, we got a, a cell group highlight of the week, and it's a beautiful couple this week. Gorgeous couple highlighting the, the cell group, life group of, of uh, Shan and I. But I, I really am excited about what's going on. And we, we have a, a family, or, or, yeah, it's a family life group. Actually, it's couples mostly, open to families, because what we've done is Matthew has taken the kids. Uh, from our life group, and he and Brian are running a kids' life group here at the church. And so really, both of these, it's amazing what's going on. We're, we're running 11, 12, 13 adults in our life group, uh, and, and we're, we're, we're uh, getting to know each other really well, and we're doing a little bit of, of, of rub, you know, rubbing each other wrong a little bit here and there. And we've got some people who are seeking to know the Lord. And they don't know the Lord yet, and they're coming. And, and it's, it's everything that it should be. It's, it's a great time together. And in the kids' group, this is in the adult group, we're about to multiply. And we're going to launch Corey off soon to uh, begin the leading his own life group. And so he'll be taking you know, part of the group and then and bringing more people into his. And the, the kids' life group is growing and it's, it's growing in age is one of the issues that we're having because some of the kids now are too old for the group. Um, but we're also growing in numbers in the kids' group also. And Matthew, you had, what, five junior hires, six junior hires last week, along with some five, six, seven-year-olds. And he's running this. That's a lot. You know, he's got this, he, he's got this massive uh, age difference. Yeah, 5 to 13, it's really, that's too much. It shouldn't be that. So we are really about to launch another life group. We need to, just, we absolutely need to. We have a number of kids that parents are now just dropping off their kids to the life group. They don't, we can't, we haven't got them into the life group, in our life group or any others yet. And um, 
but they're, uh, you know, some, some people who are coming and I don't believe they're, they know the Lord yet and they're dropping their kids off. So this is a really great thing. It's growing. Be praying for Matthew and Brian. I mean, that's a lot to handle. And uh, so be praying for them and be praying for the wisdom on how to multiply this group. And also who would be raised up to maybe help do one of the groups is because they're going to need some help. Even if one of them takes the junior high and the other takes the, the young kids, both of them, especially whoever's with the little kids, are going to need another helper. So we're praying for that. That's really exciting. But we're on our way to making 12 groups with 12 people in each in 2012. I encourage you guys to get into a life group if you're not in one. It is really awesome. One of the things our group is doing now, we've adopted um, somebody from Guatemala. We're supporting them $25 a month. And uh, Nancy's just about to send me the information on the family she's picked. And she said she's got a number of other families or, single, or little kids. If your life group wants to adopt a kid and begin to help financially support them, um, because they're right there, we can send emails back and forth and pictures. Uh, and when they come once a year, we could even send gifts to go back down. Um, so that is an option, along with you know so many other things we could get involved with through our missionaries that we support on the back wall. But it's great if your life group could do that. And I'm just super excited about my group. I'm really, really proud and, and happy to be part of that. We're, uh, we're growing together. We are growing together. I guess I need my notes. Who enjoyed their time with Dave Ogren last week? Any good? He's be praying for him. He's doing more meetings this week. He's in Southern California. Uh, he's ministering at church today. I think he's back in a, in a small group tonight. Um, and then he's just, he is on the move. He's going to be going to New York, I believe, next. And usually what he tries to do, just an update on him, is he, he goes out for, for maybe 10 days, uh, but it'll be over two weekends. And then he'll try to go home just for a few days midweek, and then he leaves again. And sometimes he gets to be home on a weekend, but usually just midweek. These trips are so back-to-back. He's going to be in New York, I think, for three full weekends, right on the tail of this. He gets home for one day, mows the lawn. Sometime this week he'll be home in Washington. He'll mow the lawn and jump on the plane the next day to New York for three more weeks. Be praying for him. He's traveling a lot and be praying for his wife, Colleen. But uh, he's got an amazing ministry. And GCM has got an amazing ministry, what they're doing overseas. Uh, if you haven't gone to the website, go to the website and see some of these videos of of the people that are, are receiving the gospel in, in places that the gospel is usually not allowed to be preached. Well, this morning we begin the next stage in our journey through the core. Remember at the core of Big Bear Christian Center. See anyone can get, even get it with me? The core of Big Bear Christian Center are life groups of 3 to 15 people that meet weekly throughout the valley, empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. Their purpose is to make disciples through spiritual growth, community, and evangelism, which results in group multiplication. That's at the core of, of us as a church. And these are the principles that I believe are, are, are foundational to the Christian walk. We've already been, we've gone through the time of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, the banners help you with the, with the core, right? Be empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. We talked about God's called us to make disciples. We're starting a little series now on spiritual growth. We're starting a series on spiritual growth. But these principles, these are principles that drive us. They should drive us. They, they drive us as Christians and they drive us as a fellowship here at Big Bear Christian Center. 
So we're going to start this series today. And in preparing for this part of the series, I thought spiritual growth. Where on earth do you start? And I thought, where on earth do you end? I mean, you're going to start doing a series. Is there going to be an ending? And how can I possibly do in a few weeks, uh, a series in a few weeks on spiritual growth when really the entire Christian life is about growing spiritually? It should be characterized by spiritual growth. We just want to spend a, a few weeks as we move around the room growing in, in spiritual growth. No matter how old, no matter how young we are in Christ, we should be growing. We should be growing spiritually. And in fact, you know, we've already talked, we started talking about spiritual growth because being empowered by the Holy Spirit is a part of growing spiritually. Having a prayer life is a part of growing spiritually. Making disciples is part of the process, is part of the process of growing spiritually. So we've been growing, we've been talking about growing spiritually already for a number of weeks. And so where are we going to start though today? That's a great question. So I went to ChristianBook.com over the series. I thought, let's, let's see if there's any books about spiritual growth. And so I typed in www.christian.com. 9,940 books came listed on spiritual growth. Where do we start? That's a lot of books. And I'm going to try to cover this in just a couple of weeks. But we're on a lifelong journey together. You know, as believers in Christ, we're on a lifelong journey together. And, and you know, in our life groups, uh, I really think we, we see it so much clearer growing spiritually together. We see, we, you know, when you spend a lot of time with somebody, you see the, the, the growth, you see the deficits, people see yours. You know, we can all look pretty mature occasionally. You know, we can come on Sundays and look really spiritually mature, but you start hanging out with people after a while and our mouths give us away, our habits give us away, the TV shows that we watch sometimes give us away. But we're on a journey together in this room, and like I said, you know, no matter how old or young, there's people at just about every stage of this process, just even in this room. Those who are seeking the Lord, maybe who haven't even made a commitment to follow Jesus yet, but they're coming and you're, you're wanting to, to know more. And those who've been walking with the Lord for 40, 50, 60 years, every stage right here in this room, and it's a great journey. Even for me this morning, I need to work at Colossians and Ephesians, not being harsh or provoking my children to wrath. You know, even just this morning, you know, things come up and and uh, I was harsh with my son and he forgave me. And, uh, you know, we're on a spiritual, spiritual journey together and growing. You know, and you know what happened with me just simply that I need to know and some of you are in there with me. We need to understand that our children are not at the same place. As we are. You know, our children just aren't at the same place as we are when it comes to knowledge and growth, comes to self-control or wisdom. Sometimes as parents, we expect them to be. And they're not. 
And we need to have grace and, and keep going in the grace. And we can say the same thing about spiritually growing. Not everybody's going to be at the same place as you. We can't expect everybody to, to, to know everything that we know or to have conquered and overcome some of the things that we've overcome. We can also look to those who've already overcome things that we still need to overcome and ask for their help and guidance and give grace and ask for help and strength. So we want to get growing spiritually. We're going to do this over the next few weeks and we're going to continue to move and all these other things we're going to talk about, living in community and evangelism, that's all part of the process. Our whole life should be characterized by trying to grow spiritually. So what is spiritual growth? Even in preparing for the message, I thought, where do we go? You know, which, which book? I, you know, you can pick almost any of the epistles. And the epistles are full of things that we should be doing to grow spiritually. Um, I read in Hebrews chapter 6, when I became a Christian and I started being discipled, right here at Christian Center, actually this building was not built yet. It was, this was probably about 1986 or 1987. And we would meet in what we used to call the fireside room super early in the morning. And Pastor Jeff, I can't remember the man's name. He wasn't there very long when I first got here. But uh, I think he did a printing shop or something in the village, or a camera or photo or something. Um, but he met with me, and we actually met under a eight-foot banquet table because it held the heat in from the one little heater vent. It was freezing cold. And we sat under a table. We lay, laid on the carpet under a table. I was 17 years old. And, and he, he discipled me through Hebrews chapter 6. And that's where he decided to, to start. He says, we're, we're in, in, let, let's grow together in spiritual growth. And so he, he, we went through Hebrews chapter 6. And I, I didn't even want to, wasn't going to read that because I don't want to you know, be the, uh, the accusation this morning. And Hebrews kind of is. But I do want to read it because there's a couple of things in there that, that is part of growing spiritually. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. I imagine all of you have those topics mastered, because those are the elementary principles. Wow. You know, so we, those, are found, those are foundations. Those are things that we really should know about. So we could tackle those if we wanted. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. That would be one way we could go on spiritual growth. We could also go to Galatians chapter 5 and talk about the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. Talk about how that's part of spiritual growth of, is, is having the fruit of the Spirit manifest and, and happening in our life and that the works of the flesh are getting cast off and dying more and more and more. We could have gone there. We could have gone to 2 Peter 1 and talked about fruitful growth. And I want to go to 2 Peter Second Peter one verses five through seven, and this these are all great places to to go and, and read through and, and make a study of as we, as we're going spiritually, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self control, to self control perseverance, to perseverance godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. 
Those would all those are all legitimate places to start and list of things to say what characterizes uh, somebody who's growing spiritually. What should our spiritual life, spiritual growth look like? Those are good. They're parts of spiritual growth. Some of those are the results of growing spiritually. They're trademarks. They're foundations of spiritual growth. But the first most important cog in the spiritual growth wheel is not that. The first most important cog in the, in the spiritual growth wheel, I believe, is this. Now, this is profound. Spiritual growth is just that. Spiritual growth. It's spiritual. It's not, it's, it's not mental. It's not physical. It's not emotional. It's, it's spiritual. And when that's what I want to talk about this morning, because there's so many facets of growth, and they're important. Even as we as we're talking about in our in our spirituality and our Christianity, some of those also happen. We grow in all those ways. We grow physically, some of us more than others. We grow mentally, we grow emotionally. But a problem I think appears when we confuse those growth areas with spiritual growth. When we confuse mental or intellectual growth with spiritual growth. That's a danger we have in Christianity. And let me explain that. Talking about, you know, one of the first things I think we said, hey, how do you grow spiritually? We say, well, read the Bible. See, reading the Bible by itself can just be mental or intellectual growth. Reading your Bible is just, if you just read the Bible and just keep it in that box... It's not spiritual. It's, it's really probably more mental. It's mental or intellectual growth. And there is a danger in that. If you don't believe me, just talk to the atheists who read the Bible more than you. They've grown intellectually. They've grown mentally. But something is missing in their growth. They're not growing spiritually. Knowledge by itself can be dangerous. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. We go back to this Peter scripture that we read a second ago. The last thing we added on, on in that list, was love. Because love is really difficult. Lo- lo- loving people is, is difficult, isn't it? Loving your spouse can be difficult. Loving strangers. Loving family members. So, But love edifies, and that's the goal. So, knowledge by itself can be dangerous. I was thinking, and I and I do like movies. Movies are my. I, I've got a big movie box. It's kind of a go-to thing just to to unplug. And and so you, you know, I remember Jurassic Park, older movie. You guys might remember the uh, the chaotician played by um, Jeff Goldblum, and his name is Matt, I mean, Ian Ian Malcolm, I think. Right? He was a funny character in that in that movie, and he had some really really good lines. But one of the lines I think is actually profound when. He was talking to them about creating the dinosaurs that he said, the problem is that your scientists were so occupied with wondering whether they could create dinosaurs, they never bothered to ask if they should. Knowledge. Can we do it? We can do it. But there's so much more than knowledge. Spiritual growth is part knowledge, but it's so much more than that. We have to be careful because spiritual growth is going to often help us understand the shoulds. Not just the cans, but the shoulds. 
Knowledge alone, reading the Bible, isn't spiritual growth. I remember growing up, I, I, I did accept the Lord at a very young age. My sister uh, had something she called Bible time in her bedroom. She invited all the, neighborhood, all the neighborhood kids. There wasn't that many of us. We lived in Big Bear. There aren't any neighborhood kids. So there was me, Pat, and Jay, my brothers, and the neighbor down the street, Clay. And every once in a while, we'd you know, drag another friend from a few blocks away or whatever, and she would do this Bible time thing with us. And, and I got saved at the age of eight years old in, in, in her bedroom. And we used to sing songs that she learned when she got saved as a young girl from something very similar. Some of the old Baptist, you know, some of these old Baptist songs, but, you know, you know, surely soon, oh yes, surely. But I remember one, and it just went, it's real simple, it just went like this. Read your Bible and pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow. And she had these little things, little stick, popsicle stick things, and she'd push up and it was growing. I remember that. <laughs> Cutting edge media. <laughs> Who remembers that song? Anyone? There's a few. And, you know, it says, don't read your Bible every day and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Don't read your Bible or pray every day and you'll shrink. And, it, and there, that is a part. And I say, that's, that's so, is that it? Yeah, I was going, I said, is that just a great example? Read your Bible and prayer. Is that spiritual growth? For kids, it's great. That's a great start. But, but we're not kids anymore, so, so is there more? And I thought, well, maybe the song for us could go a little bit deeper and say, read your Bible, pray and obey, and you'll grow. Because there's got to be a little bit of obedience there, doesn't it? We can read and pray. I, you know what? I know heathens that pray more than saints. They pray about everything. Might not be always good prayers. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've heard some crazy prayers come out of people's mouths. Even praying, God, I hope when I go over to John's that I can score some dope. I mean, when you're away from God, you just pray about crazy things. That's not spiritual growth. That's not prayer that's going to help you to grow. Prayer reading the Word, obedience to that, that's getting closer. I think that's getting closer. Read your Bible, pray and obey. It's better, but it's, it's still lacking. And here it is. Here's the prerequisite, I believe, and still in the book of Second Peter. Just before verse 5 and verse 3. It says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. You know, sometimes you read the Scripture and you go, Nah, I didn't get it. As His divine power. and they, Go back and read it slower. It's okay. I do. I have to. This brain doesn't work real good. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's a great place to stop. His power gives us everything to pertain to life and godliness. So we're kind of thinking, wait a second, that's like spiritual growth. Because in order, if, if we're grown up, that means we have everything we need. So His divine power gives us everything to be mature for life and godliness. Keep reading, though. Through what? The knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. By knowledge of Him. There's a couple of different words in Greek for knowledge. And it's really kind of fun because the Greek word for know 
is almost, sounds almost the same as it does in Spanish. And there's two words for, for no in Spanish also. There is, there, in Spanish, there is saber y conocer. There is to know like you know about things, but conozco or conocer, if I were to know somebody, like yo conozco a Julie, because she's understanding what I'm talking about there in Spanish, that means I know her personally. I can't say yo conozco el presidente. I don't know President Obama personally and don't really want to. <laughs> Unless I could share the Lord with him. You know, I'm not looking to have a relationship with him. Um, conocer, personally known. In Greek, it sounds almost the same. It's gnosko. And it's personal knowledge. It's, it's, it's not just from afar. It's not knowing about. It's knowing personally. There's a little bit more intimacy to knowing the, the attributes and some of these things uh, about somebody. And that's the word that's used here. Through the knowledge of him. Not a knowledge about him. It's a knowledge of him. To be intimately acquainted enough to really say, no, I know them. I know what they like. I know, I know their wants, maybe their fears is with a person. It's to know him more intimately and personally. So we go back and it says that, that his divine power gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowing him. That's the missing part of spiritual growth and some of these other things that we were talking about. You can't lift one passage of scriptures out of the Bible and say this is spiritual growth. All of those things we talked about out of Hebrews chapter 6 or Galatians chapter 5 or later on in Second Peter are, are parts of the spiritual growth. But all these things happen through our knowledge of Him. Ephesians 4.15, another section of growing spiritually, says it this way, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head. It's knowing Him. It's being in Him. And right there, this is what separates us as believers, as Christians, from so many other people. Our life is hidden in Him. We don't have a mental ascent of a religion. Buddhism has got great principles. We've been talking about that a little bit in our life group. And, and there's great principles for life in Buddhism. But the difference is, in Buddhism, you're not hidden in Christ. You don't have relationship with Almighty God. It's, not, it's, it's distant. It's about being disciplined. And those things can be great. D discipline is a wonderful factor in life. You can see people and say, wow, they're mature. They're, they, they seem like they've grown because they're disciplined and they have things in order in their life. But that doesn't mean that they've grown spiritually. Spiritual growth is about knowing God intimately and knowing that we're hidden in Him. And when I was, when I was preparing, I got stuck right there. Because this is a lifelong process. How do you really explain? How do you really talk about being in Christ effectively? I think it's confessing. I, I can't. Because it's, it's this ongoing process. We know when we're not in Him. It's like we, we walk away from that relationship, being hidden in Christ. We, we know that we should be there. And, and, and it, as a position, we are because we're saved. But what we know that we tend to walk away and try things on our own again. We, we, 
work hard at disciplining our bodies, but we do it in our own strength. And God is calling us back each time to say, no, you've got to be in me. You need to know me. These songs were great this morning. They were about relationship in the secret place. I want to know you. That's what we want to do. It's about being in Him. It's about knowing Him. So I said, God, where do we go? This is the, this is the foundational part of spiritual growth. We, we accept you. We repent of our sins. And he says, you know, I, I was living my own way. I was my own Lord, doing it the way I wanted to. And I was confronted with the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for my sins and said that I need to make him my Lord. And so we repent of our sins. We turn away from the lifestyle that we used to live. And we agree fully that God has the answers to life. And we've, we make that decision. And... And we say, God, I'm going to trust you fully with my life. And that begins the process of growing spiritually. And the first part after that is we need to begin to know God. I thought about people in the Bible. And the first one that jumped out was Enoch. Enoch. In the list, in, in, the, in the book of Genesis, you're going through all these people, you know, and they, they begot so-and-so and they lived 900 years and they begot so-and-so and they did this and all these names. And Enoch walked with God and was no more because God took him away. And I go, Enoch was special. He walked with God and he was no more because God took him away. I personally go, he was just so intimate with God that they just, that was it. He got it. Was he the only one who, who fully ever got it that he walked with God so intimately? He says, okay, it's done. I don't know. But it's an amazing example of knowing and walking with God. Go back even before that. In the book of Genesis, when God created Adam and then Eve, He said He would walk with them in the cool of the day. He had relationship with His, with his children. And the thing that was lost when they sinned is they were no longer in the presence of God. And then we see the whole coming up of Genesis and, and the sacrifices, Exodus is coming up as, as they go, well now in order to, to be forgiven and to be in the presence of God you've got to sacrifice, you have to go through these rituals and you're still not going to get into the Holy of Holies only the high priest can do it on your behalf and it showed that we were no longer able to be in the presence and in the, right in the presence of God any longer because of sin and when Jesus came and he made the sacrifice for us we know that the, it says that the temple veil that would separate us from the Holy of Holies was, was rent in two, was torn in two from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. Get a couple of elephants in there, maybe tie around the, the curtain, and maybe they could have torn it from bottom to top. It was a thick curtain, very hard to tear. But how do you tear something from top to bottom? Because it was for done by God coming down to man. And then we were able to go back into His presence the Jewish, the Jewish way of life was always about laws and regulations and stipulations and doing things. And when Christ came, He said, no more. It's about me. You can come in and have relationship with me. And yet, what do we do as Christians? We start living by the law again. And we start setting up these things. Well, I've got to read my Bible and I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And we, it's not a matter that those things aren't important, but we get them out of order. We try to grow spiritually by growing mentally. We just have to get them in the right order. We need to grow spiritually in relationship with Him. 
We have everything we need for life and godliness, Second Peter, through our knowledge, our intimate understanding of God. Enoch, Adam and Eve. And then I went to David. You know, David's just... Because we know about David, he's easy to talk about. We know the, the history and the things that, that happened with David. But do you ever, ever think about the life of David? David was known as, as what? Anyone? Man after God's own heart. That's a great person to talk about. We're talking about knowing God. You know, he, he was a man after God's heart. He wanted to know the heart of God. So, so what about David? David was a cheat and a murderer and an adulterer and yet was a man after God's heart. He was quick to repent, but he wanted to know God intimately, intimately. And he probably read the New Testament often. <laughs> he, he read the Bible because the Bible that he was reading had so much knowledge about the presence of God. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua, maybe. You know, Judges was, was finished before before David, so maybe he even was reading Judges. doesn't help us a lot with the presence and intimate relationship of God. You know, it's important to understand these, the Old Testament saints, even the New Testament saints. Remember, the New Testament saints didn't read the New Testament either. They wrote it. <laughs> David was a man after God's heart. He was a, an amazing man of, of God, and he didn't even have the Psalms to read because he was writing them. David exemplifies that life of personally trying to know God so that through his personal relationship with God, he could write the Psalms to us. That's what we should do more of. Let's get to know God in an intimate way so that we can write our own Psalms, our own songs of, of our relationship and David wasn't scared to pen down the, the, his fears and his thoughts and other things. Just write down these things and pray. And they came out of seeking God and not hearing Him. They came, oh, many of the Psalms for David came out of the silent Saturday that Dave was talking about last week. The silence of God. He didn't walk with God every... So there was times he was going, God, where are you? He lived life. But his desire, his seeking was to know intimately God, which is amazing because the whole point of the Old Testament was that you can't know him. But David found a way. He pressed through and he had relationship with God. Psalm 42. Another group in the, in the Bible who the sons of Korah. You know, you read the Psalms that the that, that sons of Korah wrote in, and you find this in an often, this theme. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Wanted to know God. It's a great psalm. Go back a few chapters to Psalm 34. 
And we go and it starts off, and I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. You know, as you're reading the Psalms, you often see that there's a lot of the, the praise, but they're kind of almost standing from far off, praising God. And that's part of our relationship with Him. It's about declaring and praising God. And then it goes on and says, though, in verse 8 on the same psalm, then it's this other thing, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So it goes from just extolling Him almost from a distance. You know, magnify Him. These shouts of, of praise. But then it's the invitation to go, No, get, get a little closer, though. He's, he's glorious. He's worthy to magnify and praise and to shout hallelujah about. But taste and see. You can't taste from a distance. You know, someone holds up a, a nice ice cream cone. You go, that looks good. Can't taste it from there. You got to get close. You got to get intimate. And that's the other cry. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what the call is for us today. Taste know intimately. Get close to Him. Our knowledge of Him, through our knowledge of Him, will have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Psalm 61 says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto you. When my heart is overwhelmed, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, you, when you're climbing up a rock for safety, the, the rock, big rocks can do a few things. They can be a shelter for wind or storms. But when you're trying to get safety from a rock that's higher than you, the goal is to be on top of that rock. You've got to be on Christ. On Him. In Him. It's got to be touching Him. Psalm 63. God, You are my God. Early will I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Longing for God. Thirsting. That's intimate. That's not standoffish. That's not doing the things of God for God. It's being in God and out of that relationship, living and doing. As we continue on our, on our path over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the other facets because there's, there's a danger for us if we only stop in knowing God intimately. And then you might go, well, how is that even possible? Because our emotions are not to be trusted, when you know God intimately, you begin to get into an intimate, emotional relationship with the Lord, which is incredible. But 
in that emotional place, we can be deceived to not knowing the difference between the voice of God and our emotions. Or even the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. So for us, over the next few weeks, we're going to take other turns and talk about the importance of, of reading the Word of God. So we discover the nature and character much from the Word. So we're going to spend time talking about that. And some of the other facets and parts of growing spiritually. But today, we need to start in here. Intimacy with God. Knowing Him. Just quickly, I ran upstairs this morning and, and just pulled a few things. Intimate friendship with God. Secrets of the vine abiding in Christ. An appointment with the King. Another devotional God calling about being in intimate relationship with Him. Living the Spirit-formed life. You can only have a Spirit-formed life from living in the Spirit. It's so easy to find. These are just five of the 9,940 books. <laughs> They're all on sale on ChristianBook.com. If you enter the promo code... Intimacy with God is so important, but we need to... Be cultivating that. And I'll guarantee you there's some people in this room that are, that are afraid of intimacy with God. And I want to encourage you to press through. You know, intimate is not a word I like to throw around. There's something deep and rich we'll, you'll find as you begin to press in and say, Okay, God, the Bible says I need to have a knowledge of you. I need to be like David who says, God, you are my God. I'll seek you. My soul pants for you. I want to know you in a deeper way. Get that intimacy with God. Let that be the, the undergirding as we move forward and grow spiritually together. Spending time with Him in prayer is a great way to know Him, but don't let your prayer time and, and sitting with Him just be about bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. Sit in His presence. Let Him speak to you. Pour out your heart to Him. Tell Him about your fears. Book of Song of Solomon is written and it's it's a wonderful book for for couples to read. I think it's I think it's a wonderful story of marriage and redemption and as Christians we we got to be very careful though of, of letting the song of Solomon be an allegory of God's relationship with us. But I believe that there is amazing rich symbolism in the book of Song of Solomon about God and His bride. The Bible says that we're the bride of Christ. He's the groomsman. As, as, as you read through the book of Song of Solomon, do it with an open heart and say, God, help me, help me to see the symbolism of Your love and Your intimacy with me. The, the book of Song of Solomon is intimate. There, there's, you know, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. He wants to have that relationship with us. He wants to, us to sit in His presence, know Him deeper, get to know His voice, His touch. Pastor Jeff would say things when I would come into the office. Remember about, about a year ago, he said, I, I know when it's you. 
I'd be downstairs. He says, you just walk. You, ha- you walk differently. Or you walk the way you walk. He could tell my footsteps when I'd walk through the building. It's because you spend a lot of time with someone and you see the nuances and you know that. We want to spend so much time with God that we... God's, God's here. He's doing something. And ask Ed to come. And he's going to lead us in a, in a song. I'm going to close as we worship in Him. It's an older song. It, it, it really may not be familiar. But as you, as you sing it, as, you, as the words are up on the wall, um, let's let this be the altar call. Right where you're at. It's about knowing God. It's called, I want to know you. And let's just declare that to God. Father, in this our closing time, Lord, we want to know you intimately. God, we don't want to just have a far-off relationship of reading your word. God, we want to be hidden in you. Help us to know you, Lord Jesus. Help us to know you, Jesus. You can stand or sit.